You're listening to the sermon audio from Redemption Church. Redemption Church exists to exalt Christ, edify the saints, and evangelize the world for the glory of God. For more information on Redemption Church, just go to redemption.church. Amen, amen. What a joy to sing together after such an extended time. Thank you, Chris, for for leading us in, in song and Let me invite you to turn to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, We are together again after such an extended time. So I thought it would be fitting to to take a a break from the book of Acts for Sunday just to celebrate being together, assembling together as a church and to really reflect on what God's word says about the importance of gathering together, but also the joy of gathering together as well. And so I want to direct us to Hebrews chapter 10 as we think through this together. Again, just to remind you, we met, we're meeting here right on our land for this Sunday. Again, we're able, only able to do that this Sunday out here. Next Sunday, we are planning on gathering outdoors at Community Christian School. So we'll pray that you will plan on joining us outdoors next Sunday at Community Christian School. But it is wonderful for our first time back together to meet at this spot at our land that we pray will be our future home. But let's read God's word together from Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 through 24. Here's the word of the Lord, Hebrews 10, starting in verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is the word of the Lord. There goes our tent. I'll be like Samson and hold it up for us. How does that sound? All right, well, let's go ahead and pray together as we get some help with the, with the curtains here. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful, Lord, for your word. Lord, we're grateful that we can assemble together under these circumstances. And God, as we spend some time reflecting and meditating upon your word, God, I pray, Lord, that we would be encouraged, Lord, about the beauty and the joys of assembling together as your people. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, after a long eight weeks, we are now together again as a church assembled at the very spot of our land, this place that God has given us of our future home. So today is a joyous occasion for a lot of reasons, and we gather together here in the name of Jesus Christ. And so we gather in his name because that is what churches do. Churches gather. In fact, it's actually built into our name the church, because the church in the original language means the called out ones, the ones who assemble together. And so the local church 
is a group of Christians who are committed to regularly and consistently meet together, assembling together. So during this pandemic, we have been hindered from meeting together, from gathering together. But out of love of neighbor, we've, we've sought to cease gathering to, in order to slow the spread of this virus and in order to submit to the governing authorities and who are working together for the public good. But this fast, that this break that we've had from, from gathering of the church, I hope that it has caused us all to have a greater appreciation of the precious gift of what it means to assemble together on the Lord's Day. So this Sunday, gathering for worship, uh, this is what, what happens so consistently in the life of our church. We meet every Sunday for worship. And so the Sunday gathering for worship you know, can happen so routinely, so predictably, that I think a, a lot of Christians don't think twice about skipping a Sunday, a month, or maybe two Sundays a month, to take kind of a sort of personal day, a siesta, if you will, for a personal break. But I hope that one of the lessons that God is teaching us in light of this whole pandemic is to teach us to value and to prioritize the weekly worship of the local church. And so on this occasion, as we gather together for the first time in such so many weeks, I want to help us think afresh of the encouragement that it is to gather with the people of God. And I want to encourage you, and I hope that God will encourage you to commit to joining a local church and belonging to that local church and attending weekly to the gathering of that local church. So to do that, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 25. So the sermon summary won't be on the screen because there is no screen. But if you wanted to jot it down, here's what it is. The physical gathering of the church encourages us to faithfulness to Christ as the day of the Lord draws near. That the physical gathering of the, of the church, it encourages us to faithfulness to Christ as the day of the Lord draws near. So as we look at this particular passage from the book of Hebrews, I really want to highlight two components. I want to first consider the confession of our hope, and then I want to consider, secondly, how can we hold fast to that confession by gathering, assembling together. So let's first think about the confession of our hope. If we're gathering together to to hold on to something, I think it's fitting that we think about what it is that we're holding on to. So the author of Hebrews is writing to a group of Jewish Christians, and he's encouraging them to persevere in the promises of the gospel, even if they face increasing persecution by doing so. So these Jewish believers, they're tempted to go back to Judaism as life seemed so much easier when they were just Jews, before they were Christians. So the author of Hebrews has been convincing them that the old way has been replaced by the way of Christ that is far better. Jesus is, he says, the fulfillment of the the old covenant religion. And so the author of Hebrews encourages this weary church to cling, to hold fast to their confession of Jesus as their Messiah, to not abandon him. So much of the author's arguments begin to find this this culmination here in chapter 10 in this exhortation that he gives to the church to hold fast to their confession of hope in chapter 10, verse 23. 
But we have to think a bit before we talk about how do we hold it together. We have to think about what this confession is. And one of the first things we see the author tell us is that we believe that Jesus is the great high priest who sacrifices himself once and for all upon the cross, cleansing us by his blood. This is what the author of Hebrews is trying to teach us. You see, while Israel used to have the the whole sacrificial system that God had given them of, of bulls and goats to atone for their sin, the author of Hebrews tells us that now the Lord has sent his son. The sacrifice has come once and for all. And so Jesus is our high priest, and Jesus as our high priest offers himself as the once and for all sacrifice that permanently cleanses anyone who would believe in him. So the wonderful promise of hope that we have comes from Jesus's priestly work that he does on our behalf by his blood, the text tells us. So in verse 27, we are urged to draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You see, even though we are sinners and even though we are condemned before God, even though we're unclean, even though we are unfit to draw into the presence of God, Jesus as our high priest cleanses us by his blood. And so the good news of this confession that we hold to is not only that Jesus cleanses us, but that because Jesus cleanses us, we are able to draw near to God himself. And so secondly, we see that Jesus opens the way to communion with God. And in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. But because of our sin, if we weren't cleansed, if we were defiled in our sin, that locks us out of the presence of God. We are cast out of Eden in our sin. We are left outside of the temple. But yet God has come near to us first in Jesus. And Jesus, who is the gentle and lowly Savior, he cleanses us and and opens up the way for us to come into the presence of God. That's exactly what happened at the cross of Christ, right? The thick curtain that separated the holiest place in the temple, the innermost sanctum in the temple, it's been opened for us, ripped from top to bottom. Christ, by his sufferings on the cross, did that for you and for me so that we can draw near into the presence of God. And so now the author of Hebrews says, not only are we cleansed by the final sacrifice of Christ, but because of Christ, we can now draw near into the presence of God. The the path is now open, a new and living way, the author of Hebrews says, a new and living way into the presence of God has been opened as we enter in verse 20 by his flesh, in his flesh. So the confession we hold as a church As our redemption church family, this is the good news of the gospel, that God has come to us in Christ, that our precious high priest redeems us by his blood, that he bears our guilt, he bears our shame, he bears our condemnation, and that by his cleansing blood, we can now confidently enter through his flesh and have access to God himself. Because not only has our high priest died for us, but Jesus, as we just sang, is risen. He's alive. He is coming again, and he will soon come to judge the living and the dead. And so this confession, this gospel, 
is the grounds of our hope. And it's to this confession that we have to hold on to throughout the course of our lives. It's responsible. It's the responsible response of all those who people who, who hold to these truths to cling to them. And we are urged in verse 23 by the author, look at what he says. He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Hold fast because, and do so without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Indeed, as Christians, we must hold fast to the promises in faith that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ throughout the entirety of our lives. We cling in faith to Jesus until our deaths or until Christ's return. Of course, ultimately we know that God, by his sovereignty, is the one who is keeping us. He is keeping our faith secure through every wound, every persecution, every affliction, every suffering that we face. But here's an important question that the text answers for us that you ought to be asking. How does the Lord strengthen our faith so that we might hold fast to the confession to the end? Or by what means does the Lord empower us to persevere in Christ until the end? And the answer may just surprise you. The author of Hebrews tells us it is the regular gathering of the local church. So let's secondly consider this morning holding fast together. You see, attending a church has never saved anyone. We are not saved by church attendance any more than we are saved by putting money in the offering box. Right? It just doesn't contribute in any way to our salvation. And sadly, there are many who are fooled by their own wickedness, who think that they can be saved by their religious performance. We are saved by God's grace alone, through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And that gospel, this is the good confession of Jesus as Savior and Lord. This is the confession that saves sinners and grants us eternal life. But the author of Hebrews, as he writes and talks about the gospel, he tells us that the gospel doesn't minimize the local church. If anything, it elevates the importance of the local church in the life of the Christian. Because assembling regularly and consistently with your local church that you've committed to, this is the means by which God will sustain your faith. You see, as a dad, I have promised as a father to keep my children alive, right? In fact, that is the most basic responsibility of fatherhood, right? just to keep the kids alive. There's lots of more you should be doing, but the, the most basic core is to keep the kids alive. But, but how, as a dad, do I keep my kids alive? Well, I graciously provide for everything they need for their survival. And the most basic provision that we have is food and water, food and water. So I, as their dad, spend an increasing amount of food at the grocery store so that my children can eat. And though I am the one who is providing the source of their sustenance, the food is the means of my grace that nourishes them and strengthens them and sustains them. It's the means by which they stay alive. And, I, and, and they stay alive from my grace through the means of the food 
that I give them. And you know, the local church is similar. The local church is the place where God nourishes us and strengthens our faith through all the means of grace that he provides us in the local church, like the the preached word of God, like the prayers of God's people, the community of, of networks of relationships of brothers and sisters in the Lord who serve me and disciple me and hold me accountable as we collectively help each other nurture our faith and grow in Christ. You see, a Christian who boycotts the attending of church is like a toddler who refuses to come to dine at the feast of his father's table and instead chooses to go out in the backyard and eat the pies of dirt that he's made in a sandbox. You see, sure, you can skip a meal at God's table every now and then, right? It might not hurt you all that bad, but why would you want to skip the feast of the local church? Because you're not only missing out with fellowship with your father around his table, but you are weakening your faith by starving yourself of the good food that God has provided you in and through the local church, the food that he intends to sustain you so that you might continue in Christ till the end. Notice the importance of the uh, gathering of the church. Look at what the text says. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day draw near. You see, not only do you need the ministry of other believers to stir you up in good works as you hold unto your confession of Christ, but other Christians need you. Yes, you. When you miss the assembly of God's church, when you neglect the gathering, not only are you starving yourself spiritually, but you are starving your fellow covenant members of your ministry and your presence. And you might be thinking, my ministry? What are you talking about? Right? I come to church to be ministered to, not to minister to anyone. And that, my friend, is where you and so much of the American church is terribly wrong. And that is why so many think that they can just plop themselves at home lazily on their recliner, watching church on a screen, even when a pandemic is not going on, thinking that that is all that Jesus demands of them. Thinking that they, oh, well, I can just worship Jesus from my fishing boat or my deer stand or my golf course, right? And we think, oh, well, it's not a big deal if I miss the gathering of the saints. I can always catch the podcast. And yet, I think we have all seen these last eight weeks that these digital resources can be helpful, but they're pitiful substitutions for the physical gathering of the local church, the assembly of the saints. And why is that? Why is that? Well, it's because God made us as physical creatures, flesh and blood. Our bodies are not just high-maintenance burdens that God has has given us, but they're part of God's created intention in the way that we are designed is good intentions. We are designed to physically interact with other people. And so this is something our digital tools just cannot replace. All the Zoom calls we've had the last few weeks have proven that, hasn't it? It's not the same. We are designed to physically interact with one another. And here's the thing that Hebrews is helping us understand. The Spirit works uniquely in the means of grace when the saints are physically gathered together. So you must gather with your church, not because of selfish gain, 
but you gather with your church because you love the brothers and sisters and your family. If church is an event that you attend, then yeah, just stream it at home. What's the big deal? But if church is a family to which you belong, the idea of an online church is an oxymoron. It doesn't make a lick of sense. What family calls themselves a family if they never dine around the same table? You see, we choose to use live streaming at Redemption Church to give an opportunity for those who are hindered from gathering due to this pandemic or due to work obligations to to be able to stay connected in some way. And so we never intended it to be a replacement for the physical gathering. So if you are live streaming now, we are glad that you are doing so. But we have to understand what God's word is saying here. There is unique ministry to receive and to give in the physical assembling and gathering of the people of God. And again, you might be thinking, right, if I'm here to do ministry, what am I supposed to be doing? What do I have to offer? How is my presence here, even today, a ministry to the people around me? And the text tells us that by your presence, we are an encouragement to one another. And isn't the gathering of the church such an encouragement to our souls, particularly today when we've come together after such an extended absence? You see, just by you being here today, you are providing encouragement to others in the name of Jesus Christ. That your presence is reminding me even now, right, that the gospel promises of Jesus are not just for me. That the love on your face shows me the tender affection of Jesus Christ. That your eagerness to to hear the word preach reminds me that I too need the good food of God's word. And your voices raised in song encourage me to summon my own voice to praise the living God who has redeemed me. You see, your physical presence, even here today, reminds me that I am not alone in the Christian faith and that God has gifted me with a spiritual family who will be to me the hands and the feet and the mouth of Jesus himself in times of trouble. You see, it is your presence that reminds me that of our collective shared burden to take the name of Jesus Christ and to share the gospel and to continue to testify about the resurrected Christ in our community. You see, there are infinite ways that just physically gathering together in the name of Jesus encourages us. And those encouragements are often intangible. They're unable to be quantified, but yet they are there and present as we gather Sunday after Sunday. And this doesn't even include, right, the sort of encouragements we could talk about as we speak to one another, as we serve one another, as we offer prayers on behalf of one another. What a lavish feast of sustaining grace that God has prepared for us every Sunday the church gathers. It is amazing. So if you're here today, I hope that this gathering of Redemption Church would be a feast for your soul. And again, I would urge you, if you are not connected to a local church, I urge you to join a local church and fully invest yourself there. Assemble regularly together with them and be encouraged as the Lord is using you to be an encouragement to others. And of course, we would love to have you here at Redemption Church. You are always welcomed. But regardless, every Christian has a responsibility and a duty to find a church to belong, 
and to assemble together with that church, a church that believes the gospel, a church that preaches the word of God. Find one of those and invest yourself there week after week after week after week. You see, to the people of Redemption Church, we have longed for this day, right? Your covenant member, we've longed for this day that we can be together again. However, may we with renewed zeal prioritize our investment, our involvement in our church. Let us say no to all the many things that compete for our time and our attention on Sundays, and may we instead commit to the best of things, the assembly of the saints for worship. It is through this gathering, this is the means in which God will sustain our faith as we gather to worship him. He will sustain our souls through eternity through the gift of the feast of the local church. And so in light of this, if this is true, why would you neglect it? Why would you spurn it? Why would you make church low on your list of priorities? Church, for the sake of our own souls and our covenant commitments to one another, let us hold fast to our confession of the gospel together as we gather each week in the name of Jesus Christ. Yes, gathering together in the name of Jesus is a biblical mandate. It is a command. It is a responsibility of every Christian. But praise the Lord for the gift of the gathered church and all the sanctifying grace that God pours out into our lives through the means of his people. Each Sunday we gather, we get an appetizer of heaven. And above all, may God this day be praised for the salvation, for the eternal security that we have in the Lord Jesus. So therefore, church, let us hold fast to our confession of Christ together by assembling together and encouraging one another because the day of the Lord is drawing near. Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful, Lord, for the assembly of your church, the gathering each week as we assemble on your day, the Lord's day, the day of your resurrection from the dead, and encourage one another to hold fast to the promises of the gospel. Father, I pray that every covenant member here would feel the renewed sense of urgency and duty, but also joy of committing themselves to the local church, regularly gathering and assembling with your people. And Father, I do pray for those who are visiting with us, those who are guests, Lord, I pray that you would help them to commit themselves to the local church as well. And Lord, if they are looking for a church home, Lord, we would love to be that church home for them so that we might encourage them in the Lord, even as they are used by you to encourage us to hold fast to our confession of the gospel. But Lord, above all, we thank you for Jesus, for his atoning work on the cross, for being our high priest for us. We lift him up and we praise his name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.